BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, friends. This is Matthias Roberts, and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 125. You don't have to give up everything you believe in and everyone you love in order to live as your true self. Okay, y'all, it's one of my favorite times of the year. Tomorrow, June 30th, is QIF Day, Queer Youth of Faith Day. As many of you know, more than one in three LGBTQ plus youth identify with a religion. But sadly, these young people are often pressured to choose between their faith and the freedom to live and love authentically. So as part of Pride Month, many organizations gather together to dedicate June 30th to celebrate and support LGBTQ plus youth from all faith traditions and to uphold the human right to believe, to belong, and to be loved. I just think this day, QIF Day, is such an important thing because I, I know, you know, Pride Month, we really focus on being out, being proud, everything. But to dedicate a day to queer youth, <laughs> I mean, it's wild that we are able to do that now. That certainly wasn't around when I was a kid. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it just blows my mind. So if you've listened to Queerology for a while, you may listen to this episode and think, wait a second, I've heard this before. You are right. We are bringing back the panel episode that we did last year just to celebrate this day. I actually had a whole new panel lined up, and then I dropped the ball on scheduling. We couldn't get scheduling to work out. We're going to have those folks on the podcast at some point, probably individual episodes. But to celebrate Queer Youth of Faith Day, bringing that panel back from last year because it was, I mean, such an incredible episode. You're going to be hearing from Amira a trans Bengali-American Muslim, Tallinn, a bisexual Armenian Christian, Daniel, a gay Jew, and Sebastian, a trans Christian. And I'm going to let them tell you more about themselves as we get into the conversation. So for now, I want to say happy Queer Youth of Faith Day, and let's go ahead and dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Queerology! Hello. Oh, hi. 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 Hey. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit weird to have like four or five of us kind of in like, quote unquote, in a room together. So, um, <laughs> but it's good. It's good to have you all here. The first question I have for all of you, and I'll just kind of go down the list that I have here. How do you identify? And then how would you say that faith has helped form that identity? And let's start with Sebastian. So I identify as a non-denominational Christian. I feel that being 
in the LGBTQ plus community. My faith has shaped it in the way I see uh, God's love through it, even though um, at first I really, because of my church background, which I was uh, raised in the church and went to private school, it was really like kind of toned into you that uh, being queer equals a sin. However, I've learned that isn't the case at all and that God really does love you as you are, no matter who you are. Assalamu alaikum, that's peace be upon you. I'm Amira, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I identify firstly as a brown trans woman of Bengali descent. My parents are immigrants to this country, and I am a trans woman who identifies as pansexual, and I realized the, the trans part around 2017. Using she, her pronouns is the only resolution I have ever kept. How has faith helped form some of that identity? My faith has really been the lens through which I see the whole world in terms of, like, my mother is a very spiritually strong individual, and whenever we were young and poor and growing up, she would always, like, for example, take us out to nature and be like, look at this beautiful tree or something. This is like the magnificence and the work of God. And even when we were poor, she would like sort of pray so much that we, my sister and I used to joke growing up that our card ran on prayers and gas, right? <laughs> um, yeah, and it's informed really the, the Islamic view has informed my sense of self, my sense of place within the 21st century as in, you know, I'm in American suburbia. It has informed my views of justice and how to seek that and what utopia looks like. It has informed really my approach to everything. <laughs> and how about you, Daniel? So I identify as a Jew. So I grew up in a modern Orthodox Jewish community, which means that I grew up observing a lot of ritual laws. So that includes things that like, like kosher and refraining from a lot of activities on the Sabbath. And while I'm no longer religious or a believer, I do still identify as a Jew and have a very strong Jewish identity. So a lot of people don't understand that. It has to do with Judaism is kind of interesting in that it's both an ideology and a, a, an ethnic group. And so that's how that works out. And as to the other parts of my identity, I'm also a gay man. And when I was younger, I was really instilled with a belief that being gay was wrong. I have a really distinct memory of, I was probably about 10. I was lying down on my mother's lap and crying and asking, what if I was gay? What if I'm gay? And later, as I came to came out to myself and came to terms with who I am, it became important for me to identify as gay and to, you know, reclaim that identity that I had previously feared. I'm already wanting to ask each of you follow-up questions, but Talene, how about you? Hi, I'm Talene. I identify as Christian. I grew up, I'm Armenian. My mom's side is from Western Armenia after the genocide that came to America, so they've been here a while. But on my dad's side, they're Palestinian Armenian, so they've been in Palestine for a while. So my dad is actually an immigrant while my mom, so I'm first generation on my dad's side while on my mom's side I'm like fourth generation so I kind of have mm -hmm. those two different 
viewpoints where I come from. So I grew up in the Armenian Apostolic Church, but I currently go to a non-denominational church and I identify as bisexual and I go by she, her. And I actually recently came out. So it's something that I'm still kind of discovering and going through that coming out process. But it was definitely the way my faith has definitely shaped my identity is that not only did it give me a strong sense of my culture, it also had me really, I think, face my bisexuality in a way I don't think I would have otherwise. Because on one hand, I was getting this kind of, oh, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, but like, we don't talk about that. And on the other hand, in a non-denominational church, it was very much the evangelical approach of, well, look at this Bible verse. It's so bad. Like one time my, my high school group had a debate on whether or not it was okay as an, as a Christian to go to an LGBTQ wedding. And so it was really, I really had to face myself and, you know, I had to research theology and be like, is this something I'm comfortable with? You know, my uncle's gay, but like, this is me I'm talking about. Is this, you know, how does this affect my relationship with God? Can I accept this? Can I own this and I think doing that especially recently in quarantine kind of really like solidified me in both my faith and in my bisexuality and owning that those are both parts of me that can definitely coexist and in fact like work together to form the person that I am. The whole reason we're kind of doing this episode is because today like the day that this episode is releasing is Queer Youth of Faith Day which is kind of like the first ever day to honor like the experiences of queer youth of faith and so i'd be curious from each of you like even as we kind of think about like this idea queer youth of faith day like does that feel important to you like a day to celebrate this and and kind of what does it mean to you maybe let's start with amira so as was touched upon by some of us earlier here like being a queer person, a young person, and a person of faith altogether is like, it has its own unique experience that needs to be honored and celebrated and centered. So I think it's very important to uplift that and center that for a day. There are many, many queer youth, right, who are alienated from their faith because of their queerness. And we have like, high rates of even like homelessness and queer youth because their families don't accept them, whether they be faith or not faith. But unfortunately, the way that colonialism and white supremacy has influenced religion um, today has made a lot of people justify that unkindness using faith. So I think it's really important to center those who have survived that and those who have had the the fortune and privilege to not have to endure that. For me personally, my um, experience has been that in around high school or early college, so 2014, 2015 is when I was first realizing my queer identity. And because I was so, so plugged into the Muslim community of St. Louis, in fact, I finished memorizing the Quran, the entire Quran cover to cover in the on March 3rd, 2009, receiving the mm-hmm. title of Hafidha, or guardian, literally, but it's meta- uh, not metaphorically, it's colloquially used to um, refer to someone who's memorized the Quran, and that's like a title, mm-hmm. like like Father Murphy or something, right? So I was very, very plugged into my community and rooted in my faith. So finding out I was queer was like a world shifter, game changer, and I was like, oh no, like, what am I going to do? And I had like suicidal thoughts for a couple of months. 
And I had a friend, luckily one friend, who was able to hear me out. In fact, he just got married last week, so I'm very proud of him. But I'm very grateful to the fact that I had a listening ear, because I, if I didn't, I don't think I would be alive today to proudly be both Muslim and queer and not feel like I have to reconcile those two. How about you, Daniel? So I completely agree that this day, I think, is, is very meaningful. I think that it's especially important because in, at least in Orthodox Judaism, I am from the first generation in which being gay and being an Orthodox Jew are possible to coexist. And in 1999, the first Orthodox rabbi, or around that time, the first Orthodox rabbi came out as gay, and he was shunned and told that that's an oxymoron. You can't be an Orthodox rabbi and gay. And I think that shaped a lot of, of my outlook on whether I could be gay and Jewish or an Orthodox Jew. And I actually came to the conclusion that I, that I would not fit in. And at least for kids growing up now, it definitely is becoming somewhat easier. And there are role models and organizations that try to facilitate that and make the community a, a more welcoming place. Tallinn, what about your experience? I think Queer Youth of Faith Day, like when I found out that it was going to be a thing, I was just so, so happy because, you know, I recently did come to terms with my bisexuality and it just felt really affirming because that was something that I had been denying for so long. And I look back and I'm like, how did you not know, Tallinn? Like, it's right there. But it was just something that seemed so scary and like I didn't want to add extra stress and extra issues to my family because, you know, my brother has autism and my parents are divorced. Those are already things that, you know, we've had to deal with. So I was like, you know, I don't want to add this extra thing to it. But it was just like I remember when I just two months ago, I was really having to face this for the first time, like truly, because it was in quarantine and I had absolutely like nothing to do and I was like we have to like one girl crush too many like you can't keep having crushes on girls and not be attracted to them like like something something's like telling so but I had to face that and I remember there was one there were many nights where I was just crying because in a while I actually was scared to pray about it because I was like angry at God. I was like, why would you make me feel this way? But like, is it wrong? Like if I pray to you, will you tell me that I can't feel this way? I don't hate it though. Like why can't I? And I was just, I remember being like mad and scared for a while. And then I looked into like affirming theology and eventually I did pray again. And when I did pray, I just felt like this was the most natural thing in the world, that for me, this was just who I was. And when I came out for the first time to my mom, I didn't like feel like that sense of like shame when you do something wrong. I just felt like this relief just like pour out of me. And it was so good. And I was like, okay, so God doesn't hate me. I'm not going to hell. This is something that I can accept. And I think that that message is something that so many queer youth, especially those that grow up in faith communities, are missing. And so spreading awareness to that is so important because so often it's treated as something either, you know, you brush like in, in certain cultural, you know, traditions, it's something that you just brush under the rug. 
I know I'll definitely not come out to my dad's side in a while because they still live in Palestine and they just like won't get it unless I do end up being with a girl. Do you know what I mean? But on the other hand, it's also something that is so blatantly like not hated, but so blatantly talked against as something that you cannot stand for as a Christian and something that you can't possibly be as a Christian either. And so I think that the queer youth of faith, they like spreading awareness of that is really important because I feel like so many youth draw away from God and their communities that could have offered them hope and solace, but instead like they're drawn away from it because it feels like they can't be safe there. And that's honestly how I felt like I can't come out to my Bible study because like one of my leaders like basically dropped a friend because she was, you know, engaging in a homosexual lifestyle and wasn't going to stop. And that just hurt. And so I can't come out to them, but I did have to find somewhere else to go to feel affirmed in both my faith and my sexuality. So I actually found Beloved Arise and their Rebel Seattle Youth Group, which I joined on Zoom. And that's been really like amazing in helping me. So I think that definitely organizations like that and, you know, Queer Youth of Faith, they need to be spread more because there, I feel like there's a lot of people that hurt but we don't see them. Sebastian. I just feel that the day, like just Queer Youth of Faith Day, that's so inspiring and it's meant to be celebrated when like fear is cast on so many like youth and like whether it's any faith that goes against directly the queer community just belittling and society's just negative mentality against it this brings a chance for anyone to just come together and to to be themselves and being like a trans man uh trans gay man i feel that like i've been in the church where hate the sin love the sinner but I had a long time struggling with my identity and just a bunch of self-hate, especially um, I started to realize my identity uh, my senior year in high school. And that was hard, just coming to grip with it because I couldn't do anything about it. I was just understanding it. I didn't know where to go. I had never even heard of the word like transgender except for the media and just coming to terms with that i was just like how am i supposed to love myself again how is god supposed to love me and knowing that like there's communities out there and just reaching out to find different areas of support whether it was through friends or even now i'm so thrilled to like be a part of rebel and beloved arise they're so inspiring and like loving to uh, kids and just youth in general, like to discover their identity and be able to just love themselves in the image that they were created in instead of all of the self-hate and like just having an area where they can be themselves. And I felt like when I did come out, at least to friends, that's where I started from. Like, my friend was in tears. She was so happy that I was able to come to grasp with who I am as a person. Have you heard something on Queerology that's made a big impact on your life? Do you now follow one of my guests because you've met them here? 
Because of the format of Queerology, you get to meet people in a way that lets you relate and connect. There's something uniquely personal and intimate about the conversations that happen here. If this is something you've experienced, then help me keep these conversations going by making a financial gift and becoming a Queerology Active Listener. You'll get access to the Active Listeners Facebook group right away, a place for all of us to continue these conversations throughout the week. All you need to do is jump over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Choose your gift amount, and you'll be an active listener. It's really easy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Matthias Roberts. I really look forward to meeting you in the Facebook group. I feel like each of you kind of touched on this a little bit in the last question, but I mean, I would love to hear a little bit more about what it was like for you to kind of realize that you were queer and then kind of holding that alongside your faith identity, kind of maybe some of that struggle, but also would love to hear like what's kind of giving you hope, like as we kind of look forward, you know, there's a lot of things happening in the world right now. Like as you kind of look forward, do you find hope specifically in like faith communities or in queer communities or around these kind of conversations, especially for other youth, if that question makes sense? Let's start with uh, Daniel. I'll start with the struggle. I can remember when I was probably around 12, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Just realization that all of those, I don't know, curiosities and just compulsions to be around guys, it wasn't just a normal thing. I mean, it is normal, but it's not just a normal thing that every person will go through. But it was something that I was unique from most of my years. And that was really hard for me to to deal with. And I tried to deny it for a while to myself. I remember crying and begging God to change me or to make it not true. But then eventually, I accepted it. And it's a continual struggle. But to the question of what gives me hope, it's that progress is being made in the Orthodox Jewish community. There are organizations like one that I'm a part of, Jewish Queer Youth, that popped up to really help just help provide a community and role models to Jews who are from these backgrounds that aren't accepting. And and even if they are accepting, just to give you a community and role models. And that also different uh, rabbinic leadership are starting to recognize the importance of making sure LGBTQ people feel safe. And in my, I go to a modern Orthodox private school and they added to their handbook a statement drafted with local Jewish leaders about how bullying of LGBTQ students will not be tolerated. And that's something that could never have happened even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And even something like that, which seems symbolic, it's representative of a, a really big change. And these things make a difference. Tallinn, how about you? Struggle-wise, I remember one time a couple years ago, like two years ago maybe, I was watching this music video and I was like absolutely like in love with the girl. Like I was like in love with her. Like I had the hugest crush on her. And I remember thinking to myself like, I can't ever tell anyone about this. Like I can't tell anyone. Like this is like, you're not, I, for a while, um, it was a lot of, <laughs> you're not bi, you're just, you're just bored because there's no cute guys to like. So you're just bored. Or, you know, I mean, you're just open-minded and, you know, you're accepting of other people. So, but, you know, you just thought of it, but you're not actually, so it was a lot of like weird, like forms of denial that I went through 
just because it you know it wasn't like I didn't really grow up like my like my uncle was I was gay for 20 years so like my mom wasn't homophobic my dad's made jokes but he's not like outwardly like super homophobic so it was just kind of like I didn't really grow up necessarily in like a homophobic household but it was just a lot of like internal this is something that I can't be or something that I don't want to be because it's just adds extra complexities to my life and like I'm just you know I just thought of it she's just pretty but it's whatever you know and it took a lot of really just self-reflection to really come to terms with it and when I did it felt great like I wasn't necessarily like it didn't feel like it felt natural you know and it felt good to finally like have that label that I could kind of hold on to but then I started realizing like okay what about my faith aspect what about that and then you know I I'm a research kid I love researching like I was on the debate team I'm I'm one of I'm one of those kids you know so I did a lot of research and I just got really angry because the way that the Bible has been misconstrued and like reconstructed to exclude um, people in the LGBTQ community from really connecting with their faith made me upset because I was like, this isn't the whole story. Why are we only looking at everything at a base value? And it was upsetting too, because there are a lot of things in the Bible where people, we take like a greater look into like the historical context and how do we apply this to modern day times? Like, you know, the way women are treated or slavery in the Bible which isn't actually like outwardly condemned, but there's like some change towards being more like, you know, don't hit your slave kind of trend in the Bible. Um, And I was like, why don't we do the same for, you know, homosexuality? Like this doesn't make sense. And I was like mad for a while. I remember before I came out to my mom too, there was a point where I was really upset that I have a trans friend and I was really angry that the church was, you know, how people can say like, it's a sin because I was like, this is how they're born. Like, why won't people get that? And I was so angry. And I remember crying and hugging my mom. And that was actually the like two days before I came out to her because I was upset for those members of like my community that I had just found. And then I was also upset for myself because I was like, I love my friends. Why? Like, if I tell them, will they try and pray it away? What if I get married to a girl? I want them to be there, but I know they probably won't be. And that was one of the scariest things about it was just realizing that a place like my friends in the church that I currently go to, like that was my safe space for so long. And something that I was like discovering about myself and excited about and, you know, passionate about wasn't something I could share. And that I think is something that hurt the most and something I really like, I still struggle with that thought. But in terms of hope, I don't know if I necessarily see it within the church I go to. I do think that at least in the Armenian church, there is a trend where they are starting to talk about it more, which is really great because it like, it's one of those things that you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of pushed under the rug or forget about. So I'm glad that at least there, you know, it's starting to be more of a topic. But I think that just the fact that things like Queer Youth of Faith Day and Beloved Arise exist, I think that is something that really gives me hope because I didn't have any examples of people who were in the faith and owning their sexuality, except for maybe my uncle, but he never really talked about his faith either. So that was something that I didn't really see among like kids. And one time I even told a friend I was like, that I had recently met, I was like, yeah, I'm bi, but I have a Bible. I have like 
you know, a Bible verse in my bio, we exist, because it just felt something that was so contradictory. But I think that these organizations are popping up and, you know, Queer Youth of Faith Day and things like that. That gives me hope because it shows that there is a community of us that exist and are owning who we are. And I think that's beautiful. And I think as we move on, like that will become more prominent. And that that's what makes me really excited that people can start to use their voices. Sebastian. So I felt for a very long time in the closet, just constantly hiding, whether it was with my family, at school. But at the same time, I was combating dysphoria and playing this game of kind of like superhero, like, especially like, oh, at home, I have to do this persona, I have to be this person, uh, expectations are set, I can't be who I am the way I was like created and the way I want to identify as. And just like my freshman year in college, I was able to explore that more. I was be able to be myself in that environment, even though I still felt like that I was hiding and that my identity and being a Christian like wasn't possible. And I constantly, I looked everywhere for answers, like whether just if it was a sin, if I was going to hell, like, oh, the minute you know that you're part of the LGBTQ community, now that's when you go to hell. It's like a straight ticket. But I felt that fear just looming over me, and it was a constant battlefield for me. And I was scared that I just could get kicked out at home being in such a Christian environment that's just, it's set into you that you can't be a Christian again. But I started just looking up like different things. I was like, this can't be right. Like, how can I do this? And I was just trying to hide myself as best as I can, like, not only from people around me, but like from God too. I was like, how can I embrace who I am? But I started to realize, like, even like I listened to Kevin Garcia on YouTube. And he really inspired me and he was like what I was trying to stick to because I could barely find like any resources that showed, oh, here's someone being like Christian and part of the, you know, the community. And like, I was just like in such a rut where I couldn't find any hope or inspiration. And now that I see like organizations popping up and coming up to like unite Christian youth, I'm so excited for this positive turnout for like people who were just like me or coming from like any kind of background that they can have like a safe space uh, where they can just feel loved. And even like as uh, Talene stated before, uh, through like research, there's so much more that the Bible has inside of it that's just like deeper. And it shows like roots where like the concepts that are chosen within the church and taken out of context, whereas there's much richer and overall value where it shows love constantly and it shows that you can be who you are, even if you are a Christian. And Amiram. Yeah, oof. So many pearls of wisdom so far. Ugh. Yeah, I would say when I'm thinking about the struggles and the hopes of faith communities in general, my first most primal experience is that with the Muslim community. And the Muslim community that I grew up in, this is 
a very suburban, affluent, South Asian predominant and Arab dominant community. So it was weird to be surrounded by rich people while not being rich, <laughs> um, going to school and going to mosque and going to like prayer and everything. So for me, talking about Islam as like a racialized body in the United States is so, so important because I can't really like tear away my experience of Islam from my experience of growing up poor and growing up brown and growing up as a minority in a white county, in a white school. And so there was always like undertones of, of almost like aspirational uh, whiteness, if that makes sense. So like a lot of these more affluent South Asians would be like, would have parents, like parents who are doctors, sure, but which is fine, but they're like, for example, skin whitening creams is an actual uh, thing, a product that is sold and marketed to many South Asian peoples because we are taught that dark skin is bad. So you can't really, when I think of this, I think of all of the struggles of marginalized people being tied together. And that's sort of like the core tenet of intersectionality, right? That like the struggles that people of minority faiths face and that queer people face and that people of color and black folks face in this country are all tied up together in a collective liberation. So I've learned a lot in challenging sort of like this very affluent theology that I've been taught and replacing it with like a much more gritty liberation theology, like a theology of the people kind of thing. And I see that being a lot more talked about, like as I grow up, it's like I sprinted like 10 years in front of everyone else, waited, hmm. and now I'm seeing the rest of the Muslim community talk about these things that I'd already gone through in my head. So like, that's kind of where the hope comes from, right? After the struggle, mm -hmm. the hope being like, I'm seeing my communities talk about why Black Lives Matter and why even if you are a non-Black Muslim, A, Black Muslims exist and they need to be supported, but then B, whether or not they're Muslim doesn't matter because our theology, our connection to God, our connection to divinity is tied up intricately with our connection to justice. So maybe to kind of end, last question, kind of maybe speaking specifically to other queer youth who may or may not be out of the closet, specifically within your own faith community, your own faith tradition, what advice or words uh, would you want to say to them? And let's maybe start with Tulleen. I think I would say that do your own research because you don't have to believe everything that you're blindly fed by the church because ultimately religious institutions are have corrupt elements because they're from people and people aren't perfect and we interpret things wrong and we spread the wrong messages sometimes so it's important for you to research yourself and assess your relationship with god on an individual basis because no one can tell you how you should feel about your own relationship with god that's not how it works you know so you need to do your own research and be able to pray to God on your own and just like take it on an individual basis because a lot of times 
the LGBTQ community is condemned on such a holistic level that we ignore, at least in religion, the individual stories are often ignored. So you have to really take it and personalize it for yourself, if that makes sense. Also, to not be scared of your culture, because I do, there was, while I was dealing with my own sexuality, there was a cultural aspect to it. Because, you know, I was supposed to be like, you know, the good Armenian girl who gets married to a nice Armenian boy and we make little Armenian babies and we carry on the bloodline while being good and going to the Orthodox Church every Sunday kind of vibe. And you don't have to be separated from your culture. You don't have to be separated from your faith. I think a lot of times when we take those aspects of our person, we our identity, we kind of categorize it a lot in our brains. But there's a lot of like mixture and it's all interwoven. So I think really just taking time to be by yourself and pray and just accepting that, you know, I can coexist with my culture and I can coexist with my religion and my individual relationship with God and my new sexuality that I'm discovering that that's okay. And you're not alone in that feeling that they somehow have to be divided you know, we all go through that, but you're not alone and you can discover it for yourself. And that's okay because you're a whole person and you are beautiful. And no matter what faith you're in, like God loves you and we love you and there's a space for you and you can make your own space and you can join other people that are like you. And it's just a journey and it hurts and it's hard, but you will be okay. And I think it's a continual journey that we all go through in life, especially with so many different aspects to identity. So it's not going to like, you're not going to wake up one day and feel like it's all over, you know, but it's something that you can continually discover and embrace. And one day you'll be able to feel free, even if you feel trapped right now. And I love you and I'll be okay. I'm like feeling myself get emotional over here. I love that. Daniel. I think it's just really important to state that Whatever you're feeling as a LGBTQ person of faith, you are not alone and you will eventually find solace in community. And there are other people who share your values and you don't have to give up everything you believe in and everyone you love in order to live as your true self. And I think that it's really important to keep that in mind. As hard as things get, you will find people who love you and who appreciate you for who you are. And you should never compromise any aspect of your identity to fit somebody else's mold. And Danny, if I can ask like a little bit of a follow-up question, like, I mean, you'd mentioned earlier, like uh, you no longer identify as religious. And so I would even love to hear a little bit of like what you would even say in that space of, of leaving a faith community. It sounds like that was an act of integrity on, on your behalf. Yeah, it was an act of self-care. I think it's also, it was, it was for the best. And um, even there, there are so many people who share my experience and I would never have otherwise realized that, but for community resources and the internet, helping me find other people like me. And there are so many people and it's just so unbelievable when you realize that, that there are nearly 8 billion people on this earth and there are so many people who, who go through and have gone through the same exact experience. And for me, finding that out and finding that community, it really changed my life. And I just can't state how amazing it feels to, to have friends and to have 
just these communities that really you can be a part of and you don't have to change who you are. Amira. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with um, quoting one of my role models, Sayer Johnson. So Sayer Johnson is a trans man and he is a co-founder of MTUG, the Metro Trans Umbrella Group which is a nonprofit here in St. Louis that is by trans people for trans people and provides mutual aid and meals and other like sort of disinfectant um, toiletry items during the coronavirus crisis, but also also provides like housing to trans people who are um, in need of housing. Uh, so he is one of my role models and he has two sons. And when the one of them, the older one, came out as trans, he celebrated, but the first words that he told him were, find your people. And I have taken that advice to heart. And I have really went on a hard, long and hard journey to find other queer Muslims. And it started off with a Facebook group called Radical Muslims Tongue-in-Cheek, right? It's like a Saudi person wearing a shimar with like on a skateboard with a rainbow background. <laughs> so Radical Muslims was my first space where I was like, oh, there are other queer Muslims that exist. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. And I was able to connect with other queer Muslims there. And I was able to challenge my my idea of theology of like this sort of mainstream heteronormative gender binary theology and like question that and couch that within historical contexts of like European colonization, which imposed a gender binary and heteronormativity on Muslim communities that were not that way. So knowing your history has really, or I was able to connect with people. And after finding my people, I was able to find my history, right? The history that has been systematically hidden and covered over and marginalized by the dominant narratives. Those, I would say, are my two biggest pieces of advice. And on top of that, also, don't ever feel alienated from the faith, because that's real easy to do and to give up hope and to lose hope in like all of the diversity and the the many different myriad ways of connecting with the divine and connecting with God that are presented to us via the vastly rich um, tradition of Islam, I would say that is not something you should feel alienated from because of who you are. And God says, in fact, I was reading Quran just a little bit right before uh, this, this interview, and the last verse that I read, the very last verse of Surah Baqarah, that um, my current mosque, Al-Tawheed Jumma Circle, it's completely online mosque, we're doing everything by Zoom, which is why I can join, because they're based in Toronto, and I've never been to Toronto. <laughs> um, they end every khutbah, every Friday sermon, with this verse. And this verse says, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wasaha, which God does not place a burden on any soul that is greater than it can bear. And so there is no burden, no no task that you cannot do without the power of God or without God wanting that for you, knowing that you can grow stronger through that. So I say, put your faith in God, find your people, and know your history. Let's go to Sebastian. So for anyone in general, just whether it is in the Christian community or just coming to terms with yourself, give yourself time to love yourself, who you are, and 
to live authentically one day that will happen if you are in the closet if you're not it's a time to be celebrated it's a time to find joy both within the lgbt community and just your christian like your relationship with god you will be able to find a community you need to express yourself to be able to just not feel alone anymore um don't be afraid to question the scriptures you're taught that's something that you need to be able to discover and to just figure out on your own christianity is a relationship with god and the bible being used right now has been formed into a weapon of hate to convict and that just isn't true the bible is to bring life jesus came for the gentiles and he welcomes anyone into his kingdom no matter who you are no matter what your background is if you're black if you're hispanic if you're asian anyone he came for you and he's not going to leave you alone that's all the questions i have i think that's all the time the space we have time for um so i just wanted to say to each of you daniel Taline, sebastian um amira thank you so much for joining me this has been just a delight so much fun so thank you of course sure thank you for having me so happy to be here it was great To find out more about Queer Youth of Faith Day and Beloved Arise, head over to belovedarise.org or qyfday.com. Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is made possible through the support of its listeners. To find out how you can become a Queerology active listener, head over to patreon.com slash Matthias Roberts. Another really easy way to support the show is by leaving a rating and a review. You can do that right in your podcast app. As always, I'd love to hear if you have ideas for the show or just want to say hi. Reach out. I'll get back to you. And until next time, y'all, bye! Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.